This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. At Progressive, we know there's nothing like the feeling of riding a motorcycle with your crew on the open road. That symphony of engines roaring in perfect harmony. It's a feeling that would be impossible to recreate on the radio. Until now. Hit it, Jerry. Oh, my word. Really, really terrible. Was that a glockenspiel, Jerry? Quote with Progressive and see if you could save with America's number one motorcycle insurer. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Uh, no, Jerry. It's over. On August 25th. I'm the most brutal, vicious, ruthless champion that's ever been. The most anticipated original series is here. You may know Tyson. You're the heavyweight champion of the world, young, rich, and black. But do you know Mike? The minute you get too big, they gotta cut you down. Starring Trevante Rhodes. Um, I am Mike. And Harvey Keitel. They'll love you as much as they fear you. Now I'm really going to have some fun. Mike, series premiere August 25th, only on Hulu. to another edition of Friday Night Live from that Mill podcast. Hope you're well. And uh, joining me tonight are my lovely co-hosts. We have the lovely Omar. Good evening. What's happening, Mickey? How you doing, mate? Hello, everyone in the chat. And we uh, we always have Neil. How you doing, fella? Not too bad, boys. Not too bad. How are you? All good. All good. Uh, welcome to everyone in the chat. Uh, Omar is in charge of the chat, so uh, if you don't get on the screen, just make sure you mention his name. It's his fault tonight. So uh, I suppose we really start where we mean to go on from. Um, we're briefly hit on Watford game. Um, thoughts on that game then, Omar? Uh, I think after a few days of reflection, obviously we spoke about it a lot on the podcast the other day, but 
I'm actually still glass half full about it, to be honest with you. I don't know what the people in the chat say. Obviously, shout out to everyone in here today. Obviously, Patrick, thanks for commenting. Alan, Daniel, hope everyone's doing well. Josh, Harry, Dan. So everyone do say hello and obviously put your comments in. But I thought Watford was actually a good result for us, I think, you know. I mean, yes, a draw. It wasn't convincing. A lot of people were quite negative, obviously saying it was defensive at home and all that shenanigans. But obviously Watford were on a decent run of form at the time. And I think, you know, overall, Mickey, I, I was happy with the point and obviously could take it into Saturday where I'm more hopeful we can turn up and do the business. Yeah, no, I was happy. I was happy with um with Watford. You know, it was it was a result none of us thought we were gonna get. I think we all thought we were gonna get spanked two, three, four nil. So uh so yeah, Neil, any thoughts on uh on Watford? It was a decent point, I think, all in all. Uh you'd have probably liked a little bit of a better performance from us, but yeah, it's the result that counts at the end of the day. I think as you said <laughs> We all thought that we might sneak it 1-0, but just as easily you thought we might get tonked 3 or 4-0. So we played all right the first half, I thought. Thought we did all right. Maybe no. should have sneaked a goal or two. But then, yeah, but they're a good team. So it's a good point, isn't it? it That's was. it. And I think two or three of their players are probably worth more than our whole squad. So, um, so yeah. So anyway, listen... The last couple of weeks, I've listened to you lot moan and groan about five four three two and one two three four and five three two and five two three and all that. And to be fair, I haven't got a Danny. What you're going on about? To be fair, I just watched the game and and I'm, I'm not really counting or understanding. So what I've done is what I do all the way is that if I don't know something, I find myself an expert, and that expert is probably one of the one of the um, most recognisable men out there. Um, most people would know him for a world-famous rant a few years ago. Um, he's now a black cab driver, uh, salt-of-the-earth knowledge man, and generally a honest, says it how it is, and I thought that we'd uh, bring on this evening's guest, who is the one and only John Sitton. Evening, John. Hello, Mick. How are you? All right, chaps. You... How are we doing? Evening. How are you? Evening. Yeah, all good. All good. Hello, John. Hello mate. You all right? Yeah, not too bad, son. Not too bad. So, um, I thought we'd go on to a bit of management knowledge and whatnot, obviously, where John has and John's had FA experience with teaching managers and uh, and various stuff with the FA. But first, we'd go for... Um, are you doing all right now, John? Because I know that, unfortunately, the dreaded COVID got hold of you. Yeah, thanks for, for asking, Mick. Yeah, yeah, on the on the road on the road back uh, on the road to recovery, lost a lot of weight. Spark out for twelve days. Um, eight of them I don't even know. I didn't wake up. Um, it's just the support of me family, really. I mean, my missus had it, my boys had it. He's the only one still at home. But we had a good support network. Daughters coming around with food and drink. My brother-in-law doing the same, and um, kept getting woken up to, to get on the move and get the old blood oxygen up, you know what I mean? So I was one of the lucky ones, really. Uh, 12 days bedridden, you know what I mean? But just after a couple of weeks, uh, slowly but surely, come out of it and um, just looking to get back to my normal self now. Excellent. Well, it's nice to see that you come through it and you're, you're Thanks, all right. Mate. You, do, you do look a bit slim. I, I suppose I could say the old cliche there of uh, you definitely need your lunch, fella. Yeah, well, well <laughs> yeah. <laughs> let me tell you something. I, w- I wouldn't, I wouldn't recommend it as a weight loss program. I mean, I've done thirty-three pound, um, so a lot. But I, in, in, like, but it, that's just basically like being bedridden and not being able to eat or drink. Um, you, could prob- 
you could probably get yourself a new career on that one, couldn't you? Of uh, <laughs> selling it as a weight loss program. Do you know what I mean? Loads of people yeah. out there. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. No, um, not so, one yeah. I recommend. So, um, go on, mate. John, the, these guys keep going on and on the last few weeks, and they, they keep talking with numbers what I have no idea about. So, I just thought that I'll get you on who knows about positioning and, and formations and stuff like that. I mean, Omar, what's 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 all the new positioning now? What we're playing four three three two one seven. Oh, oh Neil, yeah, oh, lovely. Thank, thanks for supporting it, mate. I appreciate that. Holding up you- He's holding up my book there, giving it a plug. We keep doing plugs, don't panic. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah. I hope you enjoy it, mate. So we let Omar go. Omar. There we go. Oh, we get it signed, don't panic. Um, <laughs> Omar, our Millwall's current formation, well, you seem to be the only one out of us three who can figure it out every week and tells us um, and see if, if John can explain some bits behind it. So come on. Well, we've had a couple of comments quickly, actually, sorry, before I do it. I mean, Mrs. Amp is saying, where's our lunch, boys? I think we're missing our lunch. But um, yeah, I thought we'd just get that on in early. But yeah, I mean, formations is obviously really debated, I guess, nowadays, isn't it? I mean, I, I think we play a 5-3-2 at the moment, and that's probably what it looks like. But, you know, it could be a 5-2-3, a 5-3-2, or any sort of number, I suppose. But I mean, I suppose where you go with this, I, I, what's the question you want to ask John here? I think, you know... It, John, like formations in football these days, I think with the game evolving quite a lot, they seem to take more and more of a precedent, especially amongst our fans, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, it depends. It depends, really. I mean, if he's playing five at the back, normally there's a couple of reasons for playing five at the back. And uh, they're normally polar opposites. One is like you can use it in terms of um, you end up with a three, which means it's more of an attacking uh, setup, um, or it can be used to paper over the cracks. No disrespect uh, from what I've, I've only seen what I've seen on Quest on the English Football League show. Um, I just think like there's a few that are... And listen, you're talking to someone who... There's no shame, you know what I mean? There's a few games in what is now the Premier League with Chelsea, but uh, 18 of the happiest months of my life at Millwall. But I've, I, I earned the majority of me living in the lower division, so there's no shame. But I just think like there's quite a few that are not up to the up to the required standard of either playing ability and or athleticism from what I saw, particularly last week. Yeah. yeah. Do you think do you think managers now are, are too keen on drawing games rather than, you know, losing games and, and sometimes won't go all out to win games? They'll just be happy with lining their teams up to draw. Right, it's a mentality thing, Mick. I think, like, look, what it is where... So, like, Gary Rowett... Um, See, what you said earlier, I mean, it's probably open to debate, open to question. When I first came in at the O's, there was like what they call that in inverted commas, new manager bounce. And uh, with five games to go, managed to stave off relegation. Got fantastic feedback, very positive. Uh, the players all wanted me, um, after being canvassed by the board, um, to take over for the new season. But what happens is that new new manager bounce dissipates. And this is this is what I've noticed under, under Gary Rowett. In defence of him, I don't know him. I know the club, obviously, because I was there. And like I say, I had 18 of the happiest months of my life under George Petty. I was spoiled. Um, the best manager I ever played under. I had seven managers in six seasons at Chelsea. Then there was George, uh, Keith Peacock at Gillingham and Clark at Orient. You know what I mean? And George is head and shoulders above anybody I can name, apart from Eddie McCready, who I never had the chance to run out for at, at, at uh, Stamford Bridge. Um, but I've watched it with interest and I just think like that what happened... He uh, he sort of he, he went in and set it up 
and uh, Mill strung together some fantastic results last year. And then what you need, or what he needed, was, and I still believe it to be the case, a bit of support in the transfer market, even if it's getting like a few tasty loans in from top draw clubs. Um, you know, but you look at it and uh, you just think to yourself, he hasn't had that. Um, and then what happens inevitably, like I said before, the new manager bounce wears off and then you're, he's basically back to square one where the previous manager was. Yeah, I mean, he, he, he took over, didn't he? And when he took over, he was bottom end of the table, probably yeah. a worse position where we were now. And then he had a good spell of runs and obviously went up to the top. I don't think there's any point in trying to, you know, there's a there's a lot of people out there who've who've been quite vocal with um, getting him out. I think that's crazy. I don't think the board are going to get him out. Um, I think financially it's just not viable to get him out and look for a new manager because then... That's, you frust- Mick, that's all frustration. The with all with all due respect, that's that's frustration. I understand that. I play, I play. Listen, I'll put in the book. He's uh, Neil's Neil, Neil. If he's read it, if he's already read it, he'll see it in there. I said, if you can't play, if you can't play for, for Mill support, you shouldn't be playing. You shouldn't be in football. And I had me ups and downs there. I had a little dodgy patch. You know what? You got to show. You got to show. You're going to roll your sleeves up and play your way out of it, right? Inevitably, look. I went off pace slightly. Inevitably, what his hand was false last year. They needed wins, and then all of a sudden they get on a run, and then boom, boom, boom. They're climbing the table. Um, I, I can't really think of anyone. Um, I mean, my own mentality is such that I, I prefer, without being gung ho, I would go for it. I, I think you're better off. You better rather than getting like two draws, you're better off getting one win in three. Do you know what I mean? So you might as well go for it. Um, what, what I will say is, I think I think like the Mill's been too like too reliant on on one or two players, and and this is what I mean where, where it needs like reinforcement. Um, competition. You got. I've been in a situation. No competition for places. It stagnates. It goes stout. You know. So you need new bodies. You need. He needs to be allowed to bring in new bodies. And then. And then, uh, if you want, judge him. You know what I mean? But you I, think I, I, he was hamstrung. You think I, he was hamstrung by the short off season this year because we stopped him what August, didn't we? And we started again in September. So there was no real time for him. Well, the thing is, Neil, it depends. Yeah. No, it depends what way you look at it. I mean, Chelsea went out and spent 227 million. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, like, what I'm saying as a manager, day to day, week to week, uh, I prefer the old school, the old school um, method, the old school setup, where you've got like, a, I don't believe, I think it's an abomination. Like, one of my old clubs, it was like, it was laughable. I don't, I don't believe in, um, I don't believe in agents. I just think like you should have a massive network of. Um, quality assured scouts, and you should be monitoring day to day, week to week your your needs in terms of strengthening your your, your football club. On that, John, whilst we're on the subject of like recruitment, and obviously you know you're looking at obviously maybe areas where he might try to improve his squad. What's your take on like the modern way? Because we've spoke about it recently quite a bit. Where um, there's a director of football, there's a technical director, there's a manager, and sometimes <laughs> you get you know maybe too many chiefs you could say I feel like and there's always different directions and I mean like obviously I feel like it's difficult for managers because the manager wants to come in have his own players have his own ideas and methodology behind it but sometimes because football club turnover is so quickly with managers you know you kind of get lost in recruitment I feel like if you bounce from manager to manager so I mean what's your take on the modern day of obviously recruitment and the roles that football have well first and foremost I couldn't agree more with everything you've just said it's like old school like, like Millwall uh, down to earth, blue collar, working class, common sense. 
I'd, what you see is you see a situation. I've got a, I've got an email off of um, a friend I do a podcast with, and uh, he would have been an ex-colleague, uh, but we crossed over at Alan Hudson, and he's talking today about the uh, the rich getting richer and and the rest of us getting nowhere in in in, in footballing terms, you know. And he, he's intimated the same sort of thing with regards to. Um, I mean, I looked at it last year. Uh, I think it was well on the way to being half a billion over a period of like three years, half a billion pounds going out of the English game, never to be seen again. I mean, where, where, where is it? Where, where, I don't know. Where, Bahamas, the Cayman, Switzerland, where is it? Do you know what I mean? And um, like I said, I'm a great believer in the old school setup where, put it this way, when I talk about, I've, I've been listening to the same claptrap, the same cobblers, the same nonsense, the same um, PR bollocks from things like the FA, uh, from places like the FA about grassroots football and about uh, strategy and way forward and blah, blah, blah. I've been listening to this since I was a uh, coach educator in 1988. We're now in 2021, right? So the bottom line is it's been tried. Um, what you have a situation, Omar, in, in terms of what you're saying, where you've got that turnover, the most recent one being... Um, uh, at Chelsea and you've got people over and above the manager making decisions getting involved in the recruitment the majority of the time uh, I'd say it's probably a fair split maybe around about 50-50 you've got uh, football people helping to make those decisions but you've also got a lot of non-football people who are making those decisions and then what happens is they stay in situ and the manager parts company and, and nothing ever, nothing ever, it don't progress. Nothing ever gets better. My own personal opinion: if I if I was at Millwall, my strategy would be in terms of the owners, uh, sort out the budget, and I just think like Mill's one of those like we like we say, you know, like, like the the biggest little club in the country, or at least one of them. Um, my own personal leanings would be towards um, concentrating and placing the accent on academy. On academy, on academy recruitment and academy, even if it means like me personally, what I wanted in my brief tenure at Leighton Orient, I wanted a slush fund because Millwall are up from uh, the O's, right? But it's like I always said, you've got like we're Orient concerned, and I think it ties in with Mills ever so slightly. You come through the pipe, you've got like um, uh, West Ham in the Premier League, and into the north, you've got Arsenal and Spurs, and then like South London, you've got other competition, Charlton, Crystal Palace. Well. Uh, where Orient was concerned, they're surrounded by all this and they're like, literally, they get last choice in recruitment. So I wanted a slush fund and I wanted to be able to operate with carte blanche on getting the best kids in London or akin to the best kids in London and the South East. And I think that's the route that, that, that Millwall would be, um, would be like, it'd be to their advantage to go along that, along those lines. You know what I mean? Even if it means saying, well, we're going to set aside an amount of money that we would have spent on a player and we're going to use it on, on academy recruitment. And then push but, the walls the first thing. But that would need to be a directive from the top, wouldn't it? Because I suppose if you're a football manager and you're fearful, you know, the high turnover, you're losing your job, sometimes you can't, you don't have the time afforded, do you, I suppose? And it's that whole challenge. Of, uh, I can understand why Gary Wright wants to sign five or six players that he's managed in the past because he trusts them more than he might do a young player, for example, that might have more potential. Well, if they think, if the club thinks that they need a new voice, again, it's something that I wanted to be involved in and it's something that I mapped out for um, Hearn, Barry Hearn, who, who obviously went on to have his own agenda. Um, and I'll be honest with you, I think the portfolio that I handed him uh, frightened the life out of him because I wanted um, junior coaches and scouts rewarded for their recruitment and nurturing a young talent. Mm-hmm. 
right? So let me give you a for instance, right? They spunk all this money on on uh, directors of football, technical directors, whoever the fuck, right? What I'm saying is you get in someone, you get in like, say like you, one, two, three. We've got three decent scouts or we've got three decent coaches at different age groups. Well, if someone signed schoolboy or what they might call our academy form, in my day it was schoolboy, then it was apprentice or what, they be, when it become YTS, right? Well, you get rewarded. You, you're on a retainer, you get your exes, and uh, this is how I worded it. You'll get your retainer, you get your exes. And then if someone signs schoolboy, you get a little bonus, 250, 300 quid. Then if he signs YTS, all the coaches and all the recruitment are rewarded, you get 500 quid. When he signs pro, you get a grand. You understand what I'm trying to say? So there's like an incentive. It's incentivized towards leaning towards like really helping and nurturing the player. And then I wrote the syllabus out that I wanted to use. Um, and I think they didn't want to pay the money out. He, he obviously like he's gone on to have his own agenda, uh, which I can go into. But it's um, uh, some of it's alleged, some of it's proven, some of it might be litigious. So I don't I don't really want to go there. But I've got my own I've got my own theories on it. At the end of the day, Millwall is a classic community club. Um, it's got to cut its cloth accordingly, and I understand fans' frustrations, etc. So back to the original point, if someone was in there and they wanted to hear a different voice after three years, what you do is like um, someone like myself who would have served three years as Mills manager, I then get promoted to uh, technical director or director of football or go slightly off at a tangent. And then they bring in a coach that I've been nurturing, but at the same time, has got a different take on things. You understand what I mean? And uh, hence, you get a different voice in the dressing room. Um, Go on, mate. Sorry. Is it, I mean... Is it are good coaches good managers, or does it take sometimes that's why you'll have like two people? Obviously, we used to have Callum Davis um, or Davison, and then obviously he's left and, and he's gone out on a manager's role. I just wondered if are, are coaches do they make good managers, or, or is it always best to have a number two where one's a people person yeah. and one's a, a, a strategist? I mean, I'll get it, yeah. Yeah, no, I'm living proof. I'm probably living proof that it's not the case because um, I was making a nice little name for myself, carving out a niche as a decent coach. And uh, um, I left a lot of people behind in terms of the way I put the game across at, at the FA as a coach educator. They were all, due respect, they were school teachers. So they weren't really au fait with like the idiosyncrasies and the uh, and the little foibles of the professional game and coaching to that extra, that next level. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? Um, so yeah, you, you probably do need a, a, a couple of different voices. I'm, I'm having this ongoing row, this ongoing heated debate at the moment on our podcast with Lord Hudson because he said it's a manager that brings it all together. I said, well, like, yeah, but without coaches, there are no players. So for like for me, I, it's, it's my belief, it's my opinion, rightly or wrongly, people can agree that and disagree. I think a football club can do without a manager, but they can't do without a coach. You need someone to set up and organise and run the day-to-day thing on the training field, on the football field. Whereas a manager, I mean, um, people I played under, they were called managers and then they, like Frank Clark at Orient, and then he carved a niche for himself as a managing director. And I can, I can honestly say quite categorically that on the training field, he was clueless. Couldn't coach. Can I make a point? Yes, mate. No. Yeah, well, England won the World Cup, obviously, in rugby in 2003. So Clive yeah. Woodward was the coach if you like but he didn't do very much coaching he employed people to yeah. do specific coaching roles and he was just hands back stood back and watched it go on yeah, yeah. spot on so 
Yeah. So there's actually quite a lot to what you say. I think Ferguson <laughs> probably was the last manager to really hands on, wasn't he? But towards yeah. the end, he would actually have just said what he wanted and leave it to the coach. Yeah, and he actually rotated the coaches to keep it fresh. But picking up the thread of what you're saying, I know exactly where you're coming from because I remember reading different bits and pieces, articles, autobiographies. It was coming over, they was in a huddle, the team that won the, the Rugby World Cup, and he's come over to put his two penneth in. Martin Johnson's gone, whoa, 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 no, I've got this, go away. Leave us to it. So it ties in with a load of other stuff. There's loads of many wide and varied ingredients when it comes to putting together um, like a winning side. And I played in a side where, um, like boys to men, the FA, the, the, I had like, there was like the core element of the side that I came to from, from Chelsea. There was like, um, I was slightly in between, like Merv Payne's written in, in his book, um, uh, The Class of 79. I was slightly in between, as in I was only 20, so I wasn't really the answer. But then the, you had like the, the core element, which were my pals. They became my pals, which was the FA Youth Cup winning side. Captain by Paul Roberts and like, you know, Mehmet, Martin, Kinsella, all that little mob, uh, Dibble, um, Glazier. I, I, could, I could keep naming them. But then above us, we had like uh, mentors and people who looked out for us, like like Johnny Lyons, uh, Barry Kitchener in particular, club legend. But, um, you know, a, a great a guy to play alongside you couldn't wish to meet on or off the field. Uh, Johnny Mitchell, uh, people like this. And, and and Johnny Jackson in goal, Nicky Chats, great skipper, uh, Eden shoulders above anything I played with apart from Ray Wilkins at Chelsea. It's fate. What you need is you need men. You need men in the side who are going to stand up, and be counted, and take responsibility. I mean, in your when you were playing for Millwall back in the day, I mean, you you were obviously under George Petchy in there, but George yeah. Petchy never used to take the training, did he? He only used to take training one day, didn't he, or two days? Yeah, two days. Yeah, he come out Thursday and Friday. And to be mm-hmm. fair, Thursday when he came out with regards to practice match and running out, running over the opposition. Um, and then again, Friday, they were the two best sessions of the week. You know what I mean? So it's imperative, absolutely imperative that you surround yourself with good staff. Uh, it, like I say, there's so many ingredients, Mick. You know what I mean? It, 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 it's like, uh, it's a list as long as you're on. But like at the minute, I see, with, with regards to like, I was talking to someone about it today. Um, I'm looking at Millwall and then like you, you just need like, which they had, um, and then it slipped back again. You just need to get claw like a, a, like a muggy little one nil. And then it's like I've said, you know, you, you, you can, um, combat the, the poor runner results just with like a, a result like that. And then what happens is it gives you a bit of belief that gives you a bit of confidence and it reinforces basically your reliability. Because players go off the boil for different reasons. For me, they're the f- three of the major ingredients in, t- in terms of like putting a team together and achieving results. You know, like the belief, confidence, and reliability. Yeah, it's it, even if like um, you're not the greatest in the world, um, just by through your playing habits and the way you've been taught as a kid. And I was taught things as a kid that saw me right through my old career. Um, you can, you can be solidly reliable and be a seven, seven and a half, eight out of ten every week. Talking about that, obviously, you know, with the new formations and everything else, what are coming in more so than obviously when you played, which was primarily four four two, um, you know, big strong players attacking and whatnot. Do you think this is being driven through um, the you know European and, and South American football? Or do you think this is something what the FA um, are pushing forward to 
to use these sort of formations now? Are these are formations what they're training on on your A class license, or is this just a way footballs move forward because players are faster now? In answer to the first point, it's not new to me. I was at, um, forget all the West Ham malarkey and all the PR and the ESA and the nonsense and the bullshit. The best academy in the country, or at least in the South, was Chelsea and I was there. And and, and Chelsea and Arsenal always turned out the best kids. Um, I was there in the early 70s when um, European football was being ruled by Ajax and by Munich a little bit later on. So they were great fans of that. Dave Sexton. Uh, may you rest in peace, Dario Grady. Um, and then obviously there's like the, my youth coach, Ken Shillow. So you've got that overspill from the seniors down to um, down to the junior football. That I, I went to the club in 74 as a schoolboy and then signed apprentice in 76. When I signed apprentice, you then got another great, one of the greatest coaches, man managers, charismatic, and, and above all else, tying in with what you're saying, tactical uh, innovators in Eddie McCready. And the year we went up, they played four four one one, and everyone's going, "Well, what's what's all that about? Where's the other forward?" Well, the other forward was Ray Wilkins playing off of Steve Finiston, and no one could mark him. They didn't know whether to push in or drop off. And more often than not, they heard on the side of caution and dropped off. And you could have built a bungalow on the on the space that Ray had had to play in. You understand what I'm trying to say? So tactical innovation is nothing new to me because I had it from a kid at one of the best academies in uh, the south, if not England, if not Europe. Um, latter day, I think we should embrace it. Not a problem. Um, as a consequence of my upbringing at Chelsea and the many positions I played in, I think it's right that a footballer, if he's coached correctly and appropriately by good coaches, quality assured coaches, which you ain't got at the FA and you haven't got coming through the FA, right? I'll always beg to differ there and I'll argue till Armageddon, right? But if you've got the proper people in place, then a footballer, whether it's you, whether it's Homer, whether it's Neil, me, whoever, they should be able to slot into any position and they should be able to slot into any system, right, with nothing more than a brief bit of revision, which is something I'm going to do in my second book. Now, with regards to formations, that's going to be a massive part of my second book because it's an ongoing thing that I had since I left the FA 1997 where school teachers were getting promoted over and above me. When there was aggro, when there was grief, when someone needed to question policy or expenses or equipment, I was the one, go on, John, have a word, sit, have a word. So I'd pipe up, and then what's happening, lo and behold, you've got people who've never, they've never, they've never tied a pair of boots on in anger, right, um, getting promoted over and above me. So it's not just their coaching acumen, it's also their foresight and their ability and their imagination, like I've got, to come up with new stuff, question stuff to improve it, because I've always maintained that you need a bit of conflict. Without conflict, there's no drama. Without drama you've got no conclusion. You understand? So like formations, this is one of the things, Mick, right, sorry, I'm going to finish very quickly. One of the things lacking in the 5,500 pound FA courses, right? I went up there, when I went up there to do me uh, convert to the UA for A from the full badge to time with European uh, economic community red tape bullshit, right? They went over all the stuff that I'd already done for two weeks. They went over all the warm-ups I already knew. They went over all the plyometrics I already knew, right? And then they had role-play. So they get Mickey, right? It was my mate Neil Banfield, right? But let's say it's you. They get Mickey. They say, right, you're manager of a football club, and we're going to pull out Omar, who's going to set you a problem. They're going to pose you a problem. So I'm there, like, and I'm round with Jimmy Armfield, who played um, all this at Leeds, you know, 
uh, an iron fist in a velvet glove and he's a tough Yorkshireman. He played for England. Yeah, he played for England when it was one up from park football, right? Walking football, right? That's when he played for England. And when I questioned him, I said, what are we doing here? What, are we on the fucking set of EastEnders here? What's going on here? Right? And so you, Mickey, you're, you're playing a role as a manager and then Omer comes in and he set the problem. You know what the problem was? Boss, I need some help. Uh, I've got some problems off the field. Okay, what's that, Omer? Um, well, what it is, boss, um, I've caught a sexually transmitted disease. Oh, right, okay. Um, well, look, leave it to me. What we'll do, we'll have a word with the medical staff. Yeah, but what it is, my missus don't know, and I've called it off my girlfriend, and I've got my mistress pregnant. Right, and, and, and this is meant to be a coaching course. I mean, what the fuck is going on here? Right, so in answer to your question, not one day, not one day did they have in, did they have in a guest coach who said, right, what we're going to do today, chaps, I'm going to, um, and this is the analogy I draw, right? So we've all passed our driving test, yeah? If it, has everyone got a lot of driving license? Yeah, yeah. Right, all shaking his head, no. So let's say, all right, but we're saying the four of us have, right? So everyone, so what you do, you have your driving lessons. You've got to put your hands at 10 to 2 or quarter to 3. Then you go through the highway code. You do your driving test. You go through all the bullshit, safety this, safety that, seatbelt on, da-da-da-da-da, and we all pass our test, right? I think I'm 100% unequivocally correct. Everybody goes away and they drive differently. They've come through the uniform, uh, the uniform course of being, uh, being able to pass a driving test, but then every way goes, everyone goes away and drives differently. And the three categories I'll put them in are the three categories I'll put coaches in. You've got people who are good drivers like me. You've got people who, um, uh, shouldn't be, uh, on the, allowed on the road. Right, so coaches who are doing more harm than good, and then you've got coaches who should never have been allowed near a fucking set of ignition keys. <laughs> you understand what I'm trying to say? Because they're causing no. carnage. Right? I mean, but not once did we have a guest coach, Mick, to come in and say, right, what we're gonna do, we're gonna do a think the day where I'm gonna do I'm gonna put on four quick sessions for you. So it's gonna be four lots of say half hour or four lots of forty minutes, and in one eleven v eleven which is meant to be like your utopia. It's meant to be your coaching goal that you've got to reach, the coaching 11 v 11. What we're going to do, I'm just going to point out, sow a few seeds for you and give you a few clues, like they do in, a, in driving lessons and the driving test. I'm going to give you a few clues on how to play 5-3-2 uh, that will evolve into 3-5-2, uh, right? Right. And I'm, and, and I'm going to point out what I think should, will be the key areas and the key players. And then we're going to do, so like Chelsea have been doing, we're going to go uh, uh, five, uh, like the, the guys who's just arrived, right? Well, someone asked me what's going on now. He's playing five, two, two, one. Right? Well, what that means is going to revolve going forward into three, four, three. So what you're doing, you're addressing the key areas and you're pointing out the key players. Not once did we get coached on variations in formation. So that's a latter-day thing, perhaps looked upon by British coaches with a little bit of envy, trying to copy from foreign coaches. What would you? What if you if if you were Millwall manager now? What what formation would you look to play? And would you look at the youth team on the failures of certain positions at the moment and bring them in, or would you just keep with the pro or the proven professional as such? Well, let me start back to front. Right, the, the, the youth players, which you've got to be very careful not to ruin them. Um, five youth team players made their debut this season that I was, um, or the 10 months that I was, during the 10 months that I was manager at Lake Norrin. Um, and then three of them went out of the game. 
And out, out of the five, four were definitely good enough to remain in the game. Two remained in the game. One was let go um, by my successor. The other one was sold too cheaply for 75 grand to Oxford. That was Darren Purse. He went on to become a million-pound player four times. I we said had him on the him. show. Yeah, I know you did. Of course, he's dead, Tony. They're, they're Millwall people. Right, he's a Millwall supporter. What I'm going to say to you is, over there, I said to the fucking idiots over there, right, you're meant to be like this top top draw businessman and you, Joe, you, you bought in this Bernard Goodall. He sells, he sells Purse, who I had since a 13-year-old. He sells Purse. Right to Oxford for 75 grand to his mate. Um, I've even forgot the geezer's name. They were talking about him like he's fucking Bill Shankly. Anyway, he was at Reading Rages, the geezer, uh, the manager. Um, his name yeah, might come to me. Morris Evans. That's the one. Well played. Cheers, Neil. Yeah, Morris Evans, right? So then they sell him for a million pounds, right? And then they, oh, yeah, go, ah, oh, yeah, 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 but we've got a 30% sell on fee. So I said, hold on, the kid you've had since 13, you've nurtured, you've bought him through the ranks, you've taught him the game, right? You end up with 375 grand and a club who never scouted him, never coached him, and just took a chance on him with a bit of wages, walk away with the rest, which is 625 grand. How's that good business, right? Um, but more importantly, in terms of your point, you've got to be very, very careful when you bring them in because I, I was basically in that situation. You had pros who cheated, hid, weren't up to it at Chelsea, uh, but mainly cheated and hid. And then they sold off a bit of the family silver. And I made my debut before because I stood head and shoulders in youth and reserve team football and captain of the reserves at 18. Um, Four-year deal at 17 and a half. I was thrown in before really I was ready. So then you go in and your adrenaline gets you through and you say, and then like you acquit yourself magnificently, say, let's say for between 50 and 70% of the fixtures I was involved in. And then I had absolute nightmares in the rest of them. I hit a brick wall. And I was getting smashed to bits by international centre forwards, right? So that's the first thing. You've got to be very careful. The second thing is what you're saying in terms of formation. I don't know enough about the personnel. What I will say on behalf of Gary Rowett is, um, very quickly, going back to my one of my original points, he might be playing five at the back to paper over to the cracks, right? Um, if that's not the case, then basically it comes down to two decisions you have to make as a coach or a manager, Right. You could, you, you've either got a, like a severe dose of ideology and you're at PSG or Manchester City where your football club is underpinned by uh, gross domestic products, ergo oil, right? And you can buy anyone you want and they've got to fit into the system you want to play or you've got to pick a system to suit your players, you know? So with someone who's been there, with all due respect, I suspect that at Millwall is trying to pick a system to suit the players and paper over the cracks. Here's the lowdown on lowering bad cholesterol from Lecvio. Lowering bad cholesterol is hard, but you could do hard. You live through five fad diets, 11 sleep training nights, nine mediocre middle school recitals, one heart attack. And with Lecvio, you can lower your bad cholesterol and keep it low with two doses a year after two starter doses. Prescription Lecvio in glycerin is given by a doctor for people with known heart disease on a statin with diet who need more. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. 
So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order mug delivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Or help lowering bad cholesterol. Common side effects were injection site reaction, joint pain, urinary tract infection, diarrhea, chest cold, pain in legs or arms, and shortness of breath. Results may vary. Learn more at lectio.com or call 1-833-537-8462. Ask your doctor about Lectio. That's L-E-Q-V-I-O. Lower, longer, Lecvio. On August 25th... I'm the most brutal, vicious, ruthless champion that ever been. The most anticipated original series is here. You may know Tyson. You're the heavyweight champion of the world, young, rich, and black. But do you know Mike? The minute you get too big, they gotta cut you down. Starring Trevante Rhodes. Um, I am Mike. And Harvey Keitel. They'll love you. As much as they fear you, now I'm really going to have some fun. Mike, series premiere August 25th, only on Hulu. So obviously with a lot of the, the 5-3-2 or the 4 3 two, one, you think that he's he's basically trying to strengthen strengthen the defence and hope that he can get himself a couple of good creative midfielders of such and possibly strikers to put, put service into the strikers and hopefully nick some goals that way. Yeah, but I mean, what, what, obviously what he's doing, he's reinforcing that central. What I used to do when I used to coach people, coach three thirds, right? So a coach for a defensive third, middle third, attacking third. Well, as well as coaching like that, what I used to do is I used to coach three thirds long ways. So you had your right-hand channel, your middle channel or tranche, and then your left-hand channel or left-hand tranche, right? What he's obviously trying to do, he's trying to reinforce that central bit and 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 nick a few clean sheets and maybe the odd goal. What I've seen what on 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 TV in terms of uh, Millwall I just think like it's the same sort of areas uh, that need addressing. Um uh, the, the goalkeeper ain't done too bad but he's blown hot and cold the center backs um they've they've not done too bad but they've blown hot and cold then you're looking at creative midfield players rather than just box to box destroyers you need a nice mixture and then um tend to be relying on the same one or two players to nick a goal. Um, I mean, everyone's after the same players, Mick. That's the problem. No, that is the problem, and, and I'll come to that in a second. But we just had a question come in um, on the chat. If you if you got any questions, pop them in. But um, Mr. Zamba Seven, do you play the formation that suits the players or the other way round, John? Yeah, well, no, I, I, I think um, yeah, I think I, I possibly answered that with talking to you very briefly just uh, a second ago. I just think like if you've got if you've got an ideology in in, in your nut like uh, Guardiola or the geezer Tuchel, he was at PSG, wasn't he? Um, he now, now he's going to find out very quickly that I think he, he's got a total party line now. And then um, Marina's basically said uh, the Russian bird who does the recruitment now. I think she's basically said like we've spent what we're what we're going to spend, 227 million. So you've got to make do with what you've got. So to answer that question, if you've got like a situation at City where I think I worked it out, Mick, like not not so long ago, he, he spent something like a quarter of a billion on back four players. <laughs> well, it's astronomical. It's, it's just obscene. It's ridiculous. Do you know what I mean? Just like, well, that ain't working out. Let's go. Six, I think the latest one was 64 million on the centre back. 
do you understand what I'm trying to say? This is the golf, right? So what you either do, you've either got that ideology and you say, right, I'm going to buy a player to fit that ideology and he's going to do exactly what I want at any given moment in terms of uh, pattern of play going forward, set pieces, defensive strategy. Or you say, right, well, these are the players we've got. These are the cards I've been dealt, like Mr. Rowett. And uh, we've got to try and find the system to keep it solid and, and nick a win. Do you, I mean, so at our club, our fans obviously are, well, you mentioned at the start, you know, we're a working class club. Our fans are, you know, I think we're quite lucky that we've not really been gentrified with the whole renovation around the area in London and especially South East London. It's, it's an area that's, you know, especially you could, a lot of people, I know, older generation have told me about the change, but we're quite fixated. And I think it's quite a hot topic recently for Millwall fans is we don't have enough Millwall type players. Now, it's a it's a cliched one and the chat will probably go bonkers when I mention it now. But do you think you need to be a certain type of player to play for Millwall? As a like when especially when it's a full then obviously in your time in the eighties as well. Like, you know, it's it's gotta be a certain character, I feel, to play for the club. I think that's a fair point. Yeah, I think it's a very fair point. Um the new den, the full a full new den. Let me tell you something. Ten thousand at the old den, right? Forget about it. It was like playing in front of 50,000 on fucking Tyneside. They would eat any other crowd, eat them. The noise was unbelievable. Um, for big games, uh, remember Sheffield United come down and there's what you, what you might call a bit of a fracker. But um, what I remember was 10,000. The noise was just unbelievable. And if that don't make you run a yard faster, I don't know what will. But it's like I had a dodgy game where I misplaced a few passes. I had a couple of free kicks straight in the touch. They're like, they were going ballistic. Rightly so. Rightly so. <laughs> they were going absolutely ballistic. But then, like, you look at the flip side, uh, the fifth Beatle, John Seisman, he rolls me short and I end up in a 50-50 in the centre circle. Um, I'll go in crunch, right? Uh, go straight through the geezer. The ball squirms out. I'll get up quickly. Second 50-50. This was Oxford at home. I go through the geezer, crunch. The ball, I win it, but the ball squirms out. I get up, third 50-50 within a 10-yard radius. I go through the geezer, crunch. I win that 50-50. I roll the ball short to Nicky Chatterton because I'm fucked. The crowd erupted like we'd won the fucking Champions League. <laughs> right? And then in the same game, we get a free kick wide at the box. I'm talking about the Oxford side that went through the divisions and won the Milk Cup. We get a free kick wide on our left. Right, uh, in from the byline, about say, like level with a penalty spot, let's say, maybe 15 yards. And I'm jogging up and I look at Nicky Chats, he gives me the eye treatment. And this is what I mean in my book about fate, etc., etc., and destiny. Um, he looks at me, gives me the eye treatment. I go, boom, I threaten the back of Mal Shot, and it was the captain and centre back. I go, boom, boom, get across him. Nicky Chats whips it in head eye. I'll go, crunch, head, neck, and shoulders, fuck off, right in the top corner, like a volley. It went right. And then the crowd went ballistic again. Do you know what I mean? So, like, you've got them on side. The point being, I'm like, at the end of the day, you'll have your, you'll have your slumps in form. Well, mm. what I think you've got to do is you've got to show that mentality and that willingness, right? Because as cliched as it is, it don't matter if it's Millwall, it don't matter wherever it is, it don't matter what ground you're at, right? Um, in, in terms of specifics, we're talking Millwall. Um, the old saying, you've got to earn the right to, earn the right to play. Right, so sometimes you, if things are not going for you, you just got to roll your sleeves up, and you've got to have a go, and you've got to get get in, get your tackles in, get in their faces, get their head down, get within blocking distance, be hard to beat, be resilient, be determined, and then I think slowly but surely, knowing what I knew, you get the Millwall crowd on your side. 
You understand what I mean? Because they mm-hmm. can see you're at least having a go. They can at least see you're not going to get beat or you're going to be hard to beat or you're going to refuse to be beat. You understand what I mean? And that's the mentality I think the current crop they've got to show. Lastly, I mean... It's a lot easier go on, Neil. Go on, say to again. play behind closed doors as they're in effect doing now because there aren't crowds there. You're not getting criticised. You're not... You, Sorry, Omar. And to add to that, because that's exactly the question I was going to ask, but a slightly different one. Like, obviously, c- players obviously enjoying playing behind closed doors, maybe to, in a more footballing sense. But do you think a club like Millwall is hurt by not having fans in the gate? I think our home form in the last yeah. year has been shocking. So, like, I think we've only won three games in the last almost year. Yeah, I mean, cl- it sounds a cliche, but the crowd at Millwall are 12 men. You know what I mean? And and, and they give you a lift, a massive lift, and they, they'll raise you by at least 10%. I, the, the bottom line, there's two ways of looking at it, because I think you'll find statistically, I'm not sure whether I'm 100% correct, but I'm just going to offer it as an opinion. I think like there's been like a record number, or at least over the last couple of weeks, a record number of away wins. So I think there's certain, there's certain grounds where there is no home advantage. There's certain grounds like West Ham, where I've said like the run they're on with the organisation um, and the setup. And the resilience and belief that Moyes has given them, and he's put square pegs in square holes, round pegs in round holes, and got them playing. I think a large element of that is down to the fact that there's no crowd there, because they've taken away the toxicity of of the anti um, Brady and uh, Gold and uh, what's his name, the other geezer Sullivan. They've taken away the toxicity toxicity of all the demonstration and that that bad vibe about being at the London Stadium. When you go to somewhere like the Den, um. And I'll just say, yeah, well, fuck it. I'll do it better next time. You know, I used to go up in the Jubilee Lounge and you'd have, I'd have an exchange of words with supporters. I think they, they realised that I was there to give of me best. And I've got like, it's like talking about the current crop again. It's about not being mugged off by your opposite number. It's about your personal pride. It's about your integrity. It's like uh, you made reference earlier on. Oh, I'll, I'll take it as a joke now. Not a problem. Um, although... Um, you don't hear many people talk about uh, people cruising red light areas or taking bungs or having underage sex, which are part of the uh, long list of misdemeanors that make my fucking and blinding power into insignificance. You know what I mean? But all I was trying to do with the players is basically I'm questioning their pride as men. I'm questioning their pride as professional footballers. I'm questioning their integrity. I'm questioning their ego. So when you bol- – I, I was on the end of a few bollocks. I mean, Jules didn't lose his rag often. Um, probably twice. Uh, but when he did, you know what I mean? You better fucking sit up and listen. Um, and he, he was the greatest manager I ever played under, as I say. Now, what you what you got to do, like the present, the current crop, they've got to say, no, nah, it's about me. It's about walking in their arm and arm for a drink, a gin and tonic with me missus, a, a bit of pride and me family name. And I'm not going to get mugged off by my opposite number. And then I'm going to, and, and by, by a version, what you do, you, you're proving to the supporters what, that you're, you're going to be, uh, you're going to be hard to beat. I think you're right. I think, I think also that you've got teams coming to the den with the fact of no fans there who are coming without the fear of intimidation or being scared. And because of that, they're, they're, they're just going there more openly. Yeah. I mean, Mr. Zamba done exactly the same bit, but look, John, um, we're definitely going to get you back. Um, we're going to get you back on another one of our shows. I think. I think Neil would would like to have you on uh, into the Lions Den, where we where we sit there and do an hour with Neil. If you can bear that, it's, it's I'd be an honour. Right. I'd be an honour, mate. I've got, um, listen, I've got, listen. I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to hold my hands up. Yeah, Neil's seen it in the book already, and I'm I'm prone to extremes, etc. And uh, I'd never have guessed. 
Oh, yeah, you know, I'll, do, I'll get emotional about it. I've done an interview today where I got, got very passionate about, about the country. Um, it's just the way I am and the way I was brought up. I've got no embarrassment, no shame whatsoever in stating that when I left Millwall, I'd done a deal. Um, see, I was having the time of my life. Then along came a 24-carat cunt called Peter Anderson, who never had a fucking clue about coaching, never had a clue about the third division, never had a clue about football, never had a clue about Millwall. We just knew the chairman, Lenny Apple from Luton, right? Yeah. And that, that's the bottom line. That's the fucking truth, unequivocally, without question. And then I'm forced to leave because he wants to do this, this and this, and there's too many people uh, coming to the end. There's too many this, too many that. I weren't one of them, so I don't even know I come into that category. Then what does he do? He brings in a load of old Herberts who are his pals from Luton, including people like Alan West. And then Allardyce, um, what delighted me was the fact that we finished well above when I went to Gillen and well above Millwall. Mill was about 11th. We just missed out on promotion. And that's despite Allardyce getting uh, uh, five times my basic wage and 10 times my signing on fee and a free mansion in Orpington. Um, but the bottom line is the day I left, me and my missus sat there. We made so many good friends, so many acquaintances. We were so well thought of and we loved the place so much. Um, she started crying and I, I started and then I had to stop myself. That's, well, that's, look, how, that's how emotional Millwall can get older. We're going to get you on to do it into the Lions Den very, very shortly. We're, we're, I'll organise it with you over the weekend, John, um, for nil. But look, you're on. Um, and just before you go, give your book a plug, fella. Uh, Neil, hold the book up. Thanks, Neil. Yeah, uh, a, little knowledge, a little knowledge is a dangerous thing. Where are you buying uh, it from now? Can they, they can get it from to a good friend of ours. They can now get it on uh, on Amazon now as well, can't they? Yeah, they could get it on Amazon. Or if they want to – obviously, I've got no access to that. But if they want to sign copy, they come to my website – which is uh, uk, or email me because I'm not computer literate. My missus handles it. Uh, Louisa Sitton, spelled L-O-I-Z-A, Sitton, S-I-T-T-O-N, obviously, at tiscally.co.uk. Thanks, Neil. Cheers, Omar. I really appreciate your time today. I think it's been great. Obviously, as Mickey said, we'll get you on for an Inside Lions Den so we can go into more detail. I'm sure Neil will be able to handle that, won't you, Neil? Yeah, just about, I think. You've not been liable too many more people. No, he's not liable anyone. I know, I'm just telling the truth. I'll, I'll, listen, I'll take to the coaching field even now with some of these mugs. You understand what I mean? Um, yeah. At the end of the day, it is what it is. I'm telling the truth. And and, and why shouldn't I? What am I going to do? Like to, to say someone's great when they're not? It ain't, especially after the damage he's done to my career. Um, no, ain't gonna it, and totally contradicted what you said. So it's all yeah, in there. No, that's it. If you want to read the book, a good book, then uh, get a hold of John's book from Amazon or go to uh, John Sitton. I think it's dot com. We put the um, when this goes up later on, we will put uh, all the details in the show notes of this. Um, if you've enjoyed John, then get in touch with us and uh, and we're getting back on for a show in the future. But he will be coming on into the Lions Den shortly. And uh, hopefully next time John comes on, we might blag a book out of him and get him to set a question. But look, you've been an absolute scholar as always. Um, you're a good pal. And uh, thank you very much for coming on tonight, John. No worries, mate. My, my pleasure. No worries. Thanks, thank you very thank much. You, thank you very much. Take care. Cheers. Cheers. No worries. No worries. Good night. So then, gents, that was um, good stuff as always. John is um, he's a great person to have. Loads of comments there. Without, um, I think we'll have to um, 
We'll have to definitely get him on again, um, talking about some bits and pieces. So, uh, so yeah, I mean, someone... One thing to do before we move on, Neil Fizzler, turn the game up on your mic, because the amount of comments we've had in this chat today <laughs> about your mic... Yeah, but <laughs> it's you that come... told me to turn the game down earlier on. I know, and then I thought we fixed it, but, I mean, obviously not. I can hear you, but, I mean, you might have to shout louder, I guess, for the rest of the show otherwise. Right, then I'll yell between now and the end of the show. Yeah, yeah. make sure you just... put your way in. But we're going to move on to... Go on, Mickey, you can... Just, just before over. we do move on, we are going on, but just before we, we do... um. Mr. Zamba 7, it won't take any editing. This show is basically um, us recording an uncensored, unedited version of the podcast. Whatever you see on the live screen or don't, this is basically what you get on the podcast. It will go up straight after the show as long as it takes us to upload it and stuff, and it goes out after the show. So, uh, yeah, no editing. This is completely uncensored. Uh, It's run for you by the fans, for you guys. So all your comments, get them on board. Um, Right, Omar. Tomorrow, important game. What's your starting yep. 11, fella? Oof. I mean, I imagine we'll go with an unchanged 11 from Tuesday night. I can't see any other alternative. Obviously, in the comments below, let's get your team selection in. But I do think we're on to something good here with what Rowett's going for with his 5-3-2, believe it or not. I'm, I'm very glass half full after the last game. So I'd personally go with an unchanged 11, Bielkowski in goal. Uh, back three, obviously, standard or back five, should I say, McNamara. Scott Malone, both wing-backs. I'd have the same central defence, Ryan Leonard continuing in there. I'd have also Hutchison and Cooper. Midfield two of Keftenbeld. And who is the other guy that plays? That's Keftenbeld. Uh, do you want to say who it is, Mickey? He's the same colour hair as your jumper. You're on mute for some reason. We've lost your mic. Thank God <laughs> for that. He's on mute. At least people can fucking hear me, Neil. Listen, um, for those of you oh. in the chat, sorry, before we go, those of you in the chat asking why I've worn orange, it's in honour of Keith. The reason I'm wearing orange is in honour of our new Dutch signing, Keith, who we, we we are calling him Keith from now on. And I see Mickey's trying to stitch me up here with, I mean, with the Adam's comment there about shaving my hair. I think he just wants me to be brothers with you two, I think. That's probably what it is there, I think. So, <laughs> listen, just, I'm, listen, compensate, I'm compensating for these two. That's all I'm doing here at the moment. Do you think basically. Omar should shave his hair for charity? Just let us know in the comments or, or D, uh, you know, put us on Twitter. If you think Omar should, then just say yes, Omar, no, for no charity. Job. But basically, Ryan Woods be next to uh, to Kiefer Bell, obviously on the weekend. That's why I was getting the jumper joke there, the colour. And then I'd go with Judd Wallace and Sahor up top. I mean, I, I, I can't argue with an unchanged eleven, Neil. I don't know what you think. Think, uh, I think at the minute it'd be pretty harsh to uh, to actually drop anybody. He's picked up a decent performance at the weekend with it. Yeah, maybe actually, as Mr. Zampa says, Leonard back in midfield. I don't know. The only the only change I would like to see, I'd actually like to see uh, Matt Smith brought into uh, to play up front uh, in place of Zahor, who I thought didn't look interested at all the other night. Yeah, but he either needs a kick in the bollocks or he needs a John Sitton style uh, bit of motivation. But he was just—he he, was—he was poor the other night. So that is actually the change I would make. 
Your mic's gone a bit funny. I don't know if it's just for me. I don't know how it's oh, for you. For, for you. <laughs> it's we're, you telling me to fuck around with the game. We're having technical difficulties. This is the first time we've come across it. But uh, maybe unplug it and replug your mic in, I'm thinking, at the top. That's all. That's the last thing I suggest to do. Um, whilst you do that, we'll continue talking. Oh, has he just disconnected? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're, uh, we're amateur hour today. But, I mean, Mickey, you was a West Ham fan a few weeks ago for Claret and Blue. Or Claret Jumper. Now you're a Blackpool fan today, according to Andy Smith. Do you know the funniest thing is I've been accused of being a load. So I remember once through AMS, somebody, um, there was a guy in the Mill History Facebook group who um, who basically went on a campaign telling me I was a Chelsea fan. And, you know, he had this and all that. And all of a sudden people people um, rioted him. But yeah, yeah, thanks for that. This right, wouldn't yeah. Have... yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but then again, but then again, we're not snakes either. So, uh, oh, sorry. Oh. Um, <laughs> um, Sahor and uh, strength and so Sahor strength and hold up plays exact excellent. I think he's good up there, according to Connor Tobin. I, I'm not against Ken Sahor personally. No, I can understand the shout for Matt Smith, but you know, I think with Matt Smith up top, the only problem you've got is the lack of mobility. So, if you have players around that could do the running, perhaps that would be Jed Wallace in this case. Um, I will bring back in. Neil Fizzler. I can hear myself back, Neil. I'm going to put you on mute. I can hear, I can hear myself back. I'm going to put you on mute there for a minute whilst he's doing that. So um, I can hear myself back, Neil. So I don't know what you changed, but it was the same as what it was before pre-show. So you've, you're not, we can now hear ourselves back. Um, we just wanted to show people we're not professional. Mr. Zampa's gone. Get Romeo in the back three and Leonard back in midfield. I'd personally like to see if McNamara can maybe be that person in the back three, maybe. Because McNamara, I think with Romeo, you don't want him, I personally think, playing the five at the back suits him. Because when he's a wing back, he, like, if he makes a mistake, you've got a player there to cover him. I personally would think you'd want Danny Mack maybe as the right centre-half in that case. Because then the further away Romeo is from the goal, the better, I feel like. I don't know if that's just me on that one. Because... I do think sometimes he's a bit of a calamity for us when he's on the ball, Romeo, but that's probably my idea on that one. I think with what Miss Samper said, that's true, actually. Matamara offers more going forward. So I don't know. I mean, I think we all agree it's going to be an unchanged 11 tomorrow, which I think uh, Danny Matt playing well, according to Adam Smith. Neil, I'm going to try and bring you back in, mate. Well, is this any better? Come on, you're getting me fuck around with this. It was fine until you started messing around and telling me to put headphones on earlier on. Well, I can hear myself, hear back, myself again. back again. So maybe well, try you're going to have to listen to yourself, aren't you, for five I, minutes? I, I don't think we could do that, I'm afraid. <laughs> it's, I've actually muted you again because it is actually an annoying lag behind. Um, what else have we got on here? Is he disconnected? <laughs> This is our best show on the one week where um, we should probably be up to scratch, and people probably know about that one. But you know, <laughs> if you know what we're on about, show the emoji in the comments. But look, I, I think um, I agree with what Neil was saying earlier. Zahor just didn't look um, didn't look like he wanted to be there the other day. Um, Richard Lacey, I would go Danny Mac um, and use Romeo possibly to come on. 60 minutes maybe um and give a fresh pair of legs there but i i would i would start with danny mack if i'm honest you omar would you start with danny mack or romeo uh no definitely danny mack but i think with uh we arguing there for romeo on the left i think scott malone's not done a bad job i don't think i think you know scott malone is i think actually been a reliable head in the last few games which is something you don't normally say about him i personally have to say um yeah 
you only flash out for a second but yeah and then um jim rack 06 pence has gone with unchanged team and unchanged attitude please i think that's the key isn't it can the problem we've got is consistency obviously you know we've got a, a decent result the other night a draw will be it obviously after losing three on the weekend it's just whether or not the players can go again i think it's a mentality thing sometimes doors was right footed left back according to richard lacy that's true I mean, it's a bit before my time for one of you. So, Mickey, you might have to answer that one. <laughs> well, it's Neil when you want him. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, Neil with his mic's quality. Uh, we're getting a few uh, nice emojis in there, which we agree with, by the way. But, hey-ho, it is what it is. But, I mean, the the real challenge we've got, obviously, on the weekend, mate, is we're going to get to our old manager, Mick McCarthy. What's your thoughts on that one? You see, the problem is when you have a new manager, you have that new manager bounce, don't you? Um, are we going to get that with them or not? I I sincerely don't know. And also, are we going to get a couple of new additions? Um, probably not because we haven't had any announcements um, today. Um, I think it's too late. I think one of them possibly is a deal um, allegedly was done this afternoon and um, possibly the medical is not going to take place till Sunday or Monday. And then we'll probably get an announcement on the end day. But again, you don't know. We don't obviously... You can't ever say uh, you can't ever say um, it's confirmed until you know either club um, confirms it. Unfortunately, with these, you know, the rumours you get and, and contacts you get about transfers are very hit and miss. Um, but I, I'm going to go with. I think there's a lot of uncertainty at Cardiff before Neil went, and I think the players are they looked very. Um, stroppy to a degree, you know, not necessarily playing for the manager. So I'm going to go that I think um, Mick McCarthy won't get a win. It's a, yeah. it's definitely a a, a journalist's um, plus for writing headlines and stuff like that. So, yeah. I think it was 2-2 the other night. They were 2-0 down against Barnsley mm. and they managed to come back and draw 2-2. So, I mean, they've got a bit of a spirit there, I suppose. I think after the six straight defeats they had under... Neil Harris, I think it was inevitable he was going to get the sack. But it's just funny that they've gone from one ex-Mill manager to another Mill manager. So that's definitely um, an omen there. Hopefully Mick does us a favour on Saturday. I, I am confident. I don't, I don't know if it's just me, chat, but I think I feel, I feel like we're on the verge of turning. I can see like loads of bright sparks. I, I thought personally the other night Judd Wallace looked a little bit back to his best self. I don't know what anyone thinks in the chat. I know, Mickey, you agreed with me the other night when I spoke about that. You know, it, yeah. I think he, with, especially playing the 5-3-2, because I, I think it is a 3-2 personally, 5-3-2, um, you, you allow Wallace to be one of the strikers and he's being more involved with the game further up the pitch. Instead of taking the ball on the halfway line and maybe trying to buy a free kick or, you know, ultimately running into a dead-end situation. He's he's further up the field, drifting out wide, trying to play off the horse flick-ons, and I think it works. I do think, like, you know, you want him to be there kind of further forward and be, have more of an impact. So I think that's personally what I think. I mean, look read through some of the comments on the transfer front, Mickey. You heard anything on this one? Troy Parrott? I saw something a bit to get to it today from yeah, Rich Cal- I, Yeah, there, there's a couple of rumours going on in there. But again, the problem is that what we were talking about earlier, that the league, the cap in League One, League Two, makes it probably impossible for Troy Parrott to go to a League One, League Two club, especially when you're looking at, you know, a lot of our ex-team are now playing for Bromley because technically they can earn more money at a lower league than they can in League One and League Two. So um, that's why the likes of Byron Webster, etc., have gone lower league because you can earn more money there than you can League One and Two. So say Parrott's on eight, 
10 grand a week, thereabouts. Maybe he's got to be, he's at Tottenham and he's got to be on half decent money. Can a League One, two club have him with the wage cap? I don't think they can. And is he, is he ready for another championship club? I think if Spurs were to recall him, they'd need to have guarantees that he'd play elsewhere. I think, you know, that's probably the only reason they'd do it. It wouldn't be a financial incentive. I imagine the deal we're giving Spurs is we're probably playing maybe half or maybe more, mm. almost all these wages. So that, I can't imagine him being on too much money, but obviously still significant for Spurs. But I think the point from Spurs is, is whether or not they'd want him to then be playing every week. And obviously we're not giving him that at the moment because he's not doing it for us. But I do think if you put him in any other championship side, I think he'd do a lot better. I have to say it. Um, welcome back, Neil. Yeah, you're right, boys. Oh, there we go. Yeah, but you know what it was. He's only Yeah, but you know what it was. On the settings, there's an echo concealment thing, isn't there? Right. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, well, some twat told me to untick that earlier on. I think Homer. That wasn't, that wasn't me, mate. I don't know but, what you were. No, about. I, yeah, uh, no, I think it was me. If you speak to John Sitton, apparently I've got an STD. I don't know if anyone picked up on that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for the no, record, because I haven't cleared my name yet, I don't have an STD. I don't have a mistress somewhere else. Either. Yeah, but on Lions TV, yeah, but Dan wouldn't have this problem. I must yeah. admit. But, well, we did get some. But what ends up? It's entirely my fault. And if you want the score prediction from me tomorrow. It's going to be 1 0. Who to? Who's, who's getting the goal? Uh, Ryan Woods. Wow. Ryan Woods. <laughs> I'll have some reckon, of what he's having. Yeah, I reckon we should play Smith from the start and just play him until he can't run anymore and just, you know what I mean? What I let, let him go. Yeah, that's what I agree with you. I'm just saying, can I just say one thing? If you enjoy the show, and at the moment we're top of that that cancer league and it's only got a couple of days left. If you enjoy the show, then just please just make a donation to that site to keep us top of the league because little old Millwall is showing most of the premiership, how fans can do with charity. Um, and also to Charlie, the, uh, the 84 year old Millwall fan who uh, made a big donation. Yeah. That, that video was big. Sam Burrow, I think probably made that video part of the Millwall um, media team and, and well done on your video there, fella. That was a, that was a good video and, and, and well done to the club for doing that um, as well. But look, either make a donation to there or, or there is um, Kelly Webster. I think he's, it's the food hub bit, what they've done now. Make a donation to there. If you're enjoying the show, we're not asking for your money, mate. We just do it because we love doing it. But make a donation to one of those two charities. They would uh, desperately need um, some of your support and it would be truly grateful to them. So, uh, so yeah. But gents, um, I think we're coming to the end of the, End of the show, really. Um, have you got anything else you really need to... Neil, you've missed half of it, so um, we'll come to you in a minute. So, Omar, what have you got to say? Oh, fucking God for that. I haven't had to listen to you for 10 minutes, have I? Ryan, Ryan Woods is a 12-1 to 1 score any time tomorrow. Just thought I'd put it out there. First, to score it, to score first is a handy 28-1. to 1. So, if if Neil Fizzler wants to put money where his mouth is, he get decent returns on that. So, just thought I'd try that one in there. <laughs> I'm just going to have a look now. I'm going to put some money on that. Do you know what, Ryan Woods on 1-0. You know, next week's going to be a good show if everyone puts some money on him and he does score first. <laughs> yeah, well, I'll tell you what. Yeah, well, I'm going to put a tenner on that. And whatever I win, if I win anything, I'll give it to the cancer charity. Well, there we go. Look at that, top yeah, man. Nice. Top man. Um, you got anything else to say? Um, what do you call it? Um. Neil, what do you call it? What do you call it? I forgot your fucking name. 
I forgot your fucking name then. Go on. Yeah, Ryan Woods has got four goals in 287 appearances. It, yeah, well, that means he's fucking due one then, doesn't it? Come on, let's face it. Yeah. He's due a goal. According to this, we're, we're linked. What was the rumours today? We've got the Portis at Hibernian that's supposedly close to a, a deal complete. If you uh, trust according to ex-founder boards uh, rumours that he's told me about and tweeted today on the handle. Forget, oh, according, to, forget according to Aldo. It's according to ex-FOTB. Um, and then also we're linked with George Evans, ain't we, Mickey? Allegedly. Yeah, I mean, they are allegedly. As I said a minute ago, you, you, you can't ever... Um, no transfers fully inside the club. Millwall absolutely keeps the cards close to their chest. Um, and and no doubt other ones are. But allegedly, there is a deal done with the Hibs guy. He is going to be playing tomorrow. Um, and then potentially he's coming to up, if the rumours are true. Um, and again, it's, wait, you know, come next week. If, if it didn't happen, then unfortunately the sources aren't. But if it does happen, then you heard it here first. So, look, you know, we can't win everything, but... We could definitely have a have a, don't win anything, have a good go. No, no, that's it. It is, it is what it is. So yeah. You and Nick um, wins all the awards. Listen, <laughs> I, I I would I'd like I'd like to say, look, if you listen to this and you like this, there are other Millwall shows out there. You've got Nick who does a podcast which is Act on Millwall. You've got Kai who does Millwall Fans TV on YouTube. You've got Tony TT who does a drive home with Tony with him and his boy. Cracking shows. And absolute pleasures to work with and do everything else. Um, and there are some other new kids coming up through YouTube and whatnot who we're more than happy um, to help out and whatnot. We do this because we enjoy it, and hopefully you lot do too. Um, we are fairly new at this. We do have technical issues, uh, like grown men can't operate a microphone. But you know what? <laughs> it's it's real. With us, it's real. We don't censor your comments, and hopefully you've seen that when we put comments up. Um, the only thing we say on here is don't libel anyone. Other than that, you can swear what you want. You can say what you want. Um, it's all about a fan show for fans before match day, just having a conversation and having a chat. And and that's what it's all about. Um, and hopefully one day we'll be able to get the likes of Kai, Nick, uh, TT and all that. Maybe we get them on the show and we'll have a big debate summer or something. Do you know what I mean? There, there's There's various things we are planning. Um and yeah, we've got some great players lined up for Into the Lions Den. Um and I think you'll find with Into the Lions Den, hats off to Neil. Neil does do a, a fantastic interview with the players. And if you haven't listened to Marvin Williams yet, uh what come out on Thursday morning, it's a must to to listen to. Uh fantastic show. Uh and Marvin was very, very honest and um well, just very honest, really, straight up, and and yeah, it was a good thing. I think he was uh, came up to the club at a time where you know we was under a lot of. He obviously was came through the academy, and he was kind of a, a glimmer of hope that season after the shit show we had, where all the players were leaving. You know, the club was cutting a loss and just kind of trying to get past you know the, the hurdle we was in. But I think he was just a glimmer of hope, and I, honestly, he's one. Especially as I was only like ten or eleven years old when he was starting to break through, he was one of those players that after the likes of Harris and Cahill. You know, he was actually one of the people that I was quite fond of as, as a young fan coming through, uh, coming through and watching the games. And it was honestly an eye opener the way he was. You know, he, he spoke about the club, and it shows that you know. I feel like we spoke about it with Sits earlier, but 
you need young kids coming through that us fans can relate to. It's important because these stories, I was on I was on every single word Marvin Williams said the other night because the whole time I was listening to it and I was like, you know what, like this is a brilliant, brilliant show and it's just a great insight and it kind of shows you the in, inner sides of the club when you're, you know, when you're not sure what's going on there, I suppose. No, that's it, exactly. We've got some, got some other shows coming with, with Neil, which would be good, but I mean, um, if you're enjoying this, make sure to press the subscribe button on YouTube. Um, go to our YouTube leave channel. A like. Press the and subscribe. Leave like yeah, leave that on the on the podcast and that. Leave a comment, but just subscribe. Press the bell every time we put something up. Omar does um, thoughts after the game. He's also got. Um, you might as well talk about that briefly. Why before we find off your um, your tier system. My tier list video. If you haven't checked it out, it was on released on Monday night. Um, actually done, you know, got a, got a little bit of a stir, but not as quite as stir as I'd hoped for. So just get, give some comments to that. Um, and obviously have it, have a look at it and give your own tier list. Obviously send it to us. It was just a simple four tier, four tier tier list system, just basically summing up various uh categories for the players in our squad. And I think that underlined some serious problems we've got, but yeah, obviously, you know, you guys can um have a look at that and obviously give you reviews but I think uh, wrap the show up Mickey I think that's us for tonight I think we're all done so look thank you very much we're all part of the Millwall family be good to each other and be nice to everyone and uh, we're back next Friday 8 o'clock and uh, we'll see you then tell your friends and uh, we'll see you next week thanks very much bye bye So get new friends, make sure Progressive's one of them, and get coverage today for as little as $100 a year. Do I want to feel the wind in my hair? Guilty as charged. <laughs> oh, seriously, let's ride on your boat. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates annual premium for basic liability policy not available in all states. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 
This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.